What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest truly understands and appreciates the culinary world. She has over 25 years experience in the industry. She is the host of the wildly successful All in the Industry podcast. She's the founder and president at Bayer Public Relations. Ladies and gentlemen, Sherry Bayer. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you for having me. What an intro. Yeah, I... well, it is an intro, but it's, that's all you. And there was so much more to choose from that it was, you know, we had to cut it down so that we, I'm not spending the whole time introducing all of your accolades. Yeah, I know. It could have just gone on for like a couple hours there, but <laughs> yeah. But thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to chat with you. Yeah. And I'm so excited. Like, I love these opportunities where I get to interview the interviewer. Yes. And I'm hoping we can uh, turn the tables in the future, too, so I can interview you. Oh, I would welcome that very much. I'm always nervous about that. It's, uh, it's unusual. Um, but I, I think I should just enter that fear and uh, put myself out there. Yeah, well, I, I would, I'm more used to being the interviewer, so, um, but uh, I'm going to let you lead the show. Wonderful. Um, so I think what's really interesting about your career over the past 25 years, and mostly from the restaurant space, correct? Yes, and it's even, I mean, we could, it's plus plus the 25, because I got my first job um in a restaurant as soon as I could drive at the age of 16. So, but yes, we can go with 25. <laughs> Wonderful. So, yeah, well, the plus plus, so the journey is amazing. And then, so while this podcast, the audience has started mostly as, as um, hotel people, it's really grown to other entrepreneurs and then into restaurant F and B and everything. And it's like, it's interesting to see how the audience grows and what people, what's resonating with listeners. Um, to then basically kind of get out of that initial focus and kind of just see, because I, I think all things, all industries, all jobs, all people touch upon hospitality in some way or the other. It's the most transferable of all of the kind of soft skills that we can, that we can all have. Wouldn't you agree? I would 100% agree because I was, I mean, I was thinking about it where, you know, with this question of what is hospitality and, it's, I mean, for me, most of my experience and reference points and where hospitality is in restaurants, and then I would say, you know, bars and hotels, but hospitality, it's everywhere. It's when you walk into a store, it's when you get on an airplane, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not, um, it's, it's certainly hospitality is all in all industries. It, it absolutely is. And I think one of the um, started off in baking. And when I think about hospitality to me, I also had a friend of mine on who um, she has this really successful cookie company because I love the smell of cookies and baking. And I think what draws me to that is this idea of um, this warmth and hearth. And 
I think of your really extensive and super impressive client list of all the people that you've worked with. I was super drawn to Sullivan Street Bakery. Wow. And thank you for saying that. That's well, and I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a bread connoisseur, um, although my pandemic pants might say that I am because everything's <laughs> getting a little bit tighter. Um, but it's amazing. There's something about that Sullivan Street Bakery that when I'm at any restaurant, I know exactly that it's from those ovens and from those hands. And it's just so soothing. I've never been there as it's baking, but um, I was wondering if you could just walk us through like your experience with Sullivan Street Bakery and, um, and just the feeling of that bread and why it's so recognizable. Because to me, it makes me super comfortable and I just, it's immediately recognizable. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Jim Leahy. Uh, it's his company or James Leahy, but he normally goes by Jim. And I met him through the industry at, at some point and um, was lucky to be brought on board to work with him primarily on the reopening of his now flagship location in Hell's Kitchen where he does make the bread. Um, and he was, he, he, redid the cafe and so it was like a relaunch um and he did some work in the back of the bakery too um and a lot of times i work with with restaurants when they're opening or reopening or you know the new buzz so i was fortunate to to be brought on board and 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 we did an opening party and you know got a lot of great press on it i mean jim's one of these guys almost it's as a pr person at this point you're more managing it like he's he people know him and he's known for the no need bread which is um it got his uh, big break i guess you'd say when mark bitman wrote about it in the new york times and it became um discovered so um i mean his bread is unique and yeah it is distinct um he has a lot of different it's not just one bread, you know, there's just so many different um, styles, but um, it, it's recognizable. And I think working with him as someone who really is so passionate about what they do for me as a, as a PR person, it's easy to spread that passion and get people excited about it. And of course, eat his bread. And, um, but I think a lot of it also has to do that. It's so hand, he's so hands-on and, where he's making the bread is literally where you're getting it. Totally. Um, so. I love how you said that it makes your job easier because he's so passionate about what he's doing. And I'm sure you have a lot of other clients like that as well. But I think, um, I feel like oftentimes it's so hard, like we're all passionate about so many things, but to really live in that passion and to be able to tell that story and really get into the why we do what we do is often very hard. And oftentimes I find with friends, clients, um, other entrepreneurs, they know that they're passionate about something, but they have a really hard time describing their why. It's almost like, and I've said this before, it's like we, we all live in these jars, right? And we can't necessarily see the label on them, right? So we, we're living in it, we're passionate, we have all those feelings. But sometimes we, we can't like look in the mirror and see exactly what's there. So with you as uh, doing PR for all these, uh, um, this amazing list of clients, like how do you help your clients who maybe 
have a hard time reading their own label and really getting out and telling their story? Um, it's a good question. I mean, it is about their story. And that also, uh, I mean, for me as a PR person, that kind of became a publicist by accident. I did not study it. I just kind of fell into it um, when I discovered that you could work with restaurants and chefs and clients and help promote them for what they're doing. Um, and you didn't necessarily have to be the one with the restaurant or the bar. Um, but I only take on clients that I truly believe in, that I feel, you know, quality, quality products, something that I can stand behind myself because I can't tell someone something's great if I genuinely don't believe it is. Um, so, so that's, you know, where I start with that, but what's, you know, I've been doing PR for a long time. I started my company in 2003, but what keeps it, what keeps it fresh and exciting for me is that every restaurant and client is different with what their story is and what's unique about them. Even though having worked with lots of restaurants and openings, uh, there's, I guess, a little bit of a formula uh, that uh, with PR, with spreading the word or putting together press materials and reaching out to the media, but everyone's story is unique. So I think as a PR person, it's, it's talking to them, experiencing what they're about, trying their food, their concept and understanding it. And then my job, I'm the middleman between them and the media. Um, but it's, it's really it's really a matter of understanding what's unique about them. For Jim, yes, he's the bread and and the hospitality and his passion. But, you know, some people might, um, it might be a family business. It's been around a long time, or it might be just, you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it could be anything. But I, I love, I love the, that, that keeps it exciting and fresh for me that everyone's story is unique. And then, so sometimes people, I, I've seen this a, a lot of times, mostly with entrepreneurs, they are doing what they're doing because they found this passion. They don't necessarily know exactly why, but they're just going and going and going. And sometimes they have a hard time telling the story um, because it's hard for me also, I'm sure for a lot of people, it's hard to talk about ourselves, right? Going back to interviewing the interviewer. Um What's your process on, like, how do you actually get people comfortable to be vulnerable with you to tell the story so that it makes your job easier so that you can really help get their message clear and then also out to the world at large? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's true what you said. It's much easier to promote or talk about someone else and um, uh, give them the recognition or, or you know, act, uh, shout outs and uh, for them versus for yourself. Um, I find that even, you know, with myself, like it's harder for me to, let's say, promote my own podcast versus if I was to promote someone else's podcast, because, you know, you want someone else to toot your horn <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I think people who reach out to publicists, like realize that uh, we we can be that voice and take it off their plate and and tell their story. I mean, some most people, um, you know, there it, it's there's a reason they they're opening this restaurant or or business, and usually they are passionate about it, or else they wouldn't be diving into it full force. Um, so I think 
I think it's my, I, you know, talk about hospitality. I think it's my own hospitality in a sense of just being like open to listen, being nice, being, being available uh, to hear their story and to figure out what it is that's special about it that we can then relay that message to other people. So just really listening to them, hearing them, getting them comfortable, which I think is a great segue into like point of this whole podcast and this experiment that I'm working on. But like, how do you define hospitality in how you're operating your business, but then also to how you experience and both give and receive it? Yeah. And I mean, I love that you ha- you're doing, you came up with this idea of this podcast because it's a really, it's a great question. I don't think it's something... Yeah, there's not one certain way you need to define what hospitality is. But for me, I feel it's a it's a feeling. It's um, it's it's from a guest to a host, like whoever the guest is or the the customer or the people or the host to the customer, uh, how you're making them feel. And I feel like it's uh, when you, when hospitality, when people understand hospitality or get it right, they like, they make you feel so special and so welcome and so important and that they're genuinely happy to see you, that they want to, they want you to feel good. And the people who are in the hospitality industry, or I think I would say get in it for the right reasons, get that. I think sometimes people might think they want to open a restaurant and they don't realize that it is all about hospitality and welcoming people and 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 going that extra mile for them. So they feel so good. They, they can't wait to come back. Yeah. Um- also, in our initial conversations, it turns out we have a mutual friend in Glenn Coben. Yes. And I, that was really surprising. To, well, not surprising. Like, he knows everybody, and he's such an amazing <laughs> guy. And um, he wrote this. So he did this really cool thing where he wrote this book called The Architect's Cookbook, right? And right. Um, so he's talking about his design experience of the built environment, but for each restaurant. And then each cook or each chef that he would work with, they would do a... Um, he, he would have a, a recipe from that and also talk about the whole experience of opening, designing and building and opening the restaurant and then the cooking. Were, and I did, I'm sorry, I didn't do research on this, but were any of those restaurants in his book, your clients? No, <laughs> I had to think about it, but I, I am, I am good friends with him through the industry. And mm-hmm. I remember when he introduced the, told me he was going to be working on this book. And I kind of was there for a part of the process. And I think it was uh, uh, very cool. And I think one thing with Glenn that stands out is that he, um, all of his restaurants are so unique to themselves in their own style and voice uh, that he he's able to capture. But um, I was like, I'm hoping I'm answering that right. But no, I don't think I, I don't think any of the restaurants in his book have been clients. Okay. But maybe for his next book, we'll work on that. Yeah, totally. Well, I hope he is <laughs> writing his next book because I think what's really cool is if you think about from the, like a Venn diagram, right? So you have the design, then you actually have the culinary experience and then the whole story. It's, it's almost like between the, the chef, the design, and then you telling the story. It's like this perfect intersection of talking about that, as you were saying, like 
the, that feeling. It, it, like you can drive straight at that feeling um, in a very focused way by combining all three of them. Yes. I mean, design is super important. And I think his approach from what I know is he does, he, I think it's similar to mine. He listens, he talks, he figures out what the, uh, what the uh, restaurateur is looking for with the feel they want to get. And, um, and it takes a lot of listening to figure that out, but yes, design plays a huge role in the feel of a place for sure. And, and, and it's, I think, you know, service, food, ambiance, it's all very important to, to make a complete hospitality, wonderful experience for someone, in my opinion. Totally. And I, I've heard you say the words listen and hear so many times just since we've started talking and then speaking previously. Um, and if you think about learning from your clients and thinking about just in New York City and the restaurants and what everyone went through with all of the shutdowns and lockdowns and just, and then the exciting movement outside to all this outdoor dining, which I really hope never goes away because I think that is like a silver lining of the pandemic in New York City. Um, in all the listenings, as you were going through what we all just went through, but especially in New York City restaurants, what did you listen to and hear from your clients? And what, what, what did you learn them? What, what was your like biggest learning through coming through this trough? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I've been in Manhattan. I've, I've been in Manhattan since 1998 and I stayed, I was here through the pandemic. I did not leave my Manhattan apartment. So um, it was, it was, I mean, I think about it a lot, like what it was like, and it was daily changes for us as just people and for the restaurants, it was just, it was like nonstop. Every day was like a new policy or change. You can, you can serve uh, to go cocktails. Now you can't, you can do outdoor dining. You can't indoor, outdoor, like it was constant. I mean, the resilience of restaurants, I mean, we've, I've already known that, that they are, they are just strong people, but they are, they like, they can get through anything. They're so and, and, and they're, and it's, uh, I mean, I, I was, I'm always impressed with restaurateurs, but I think it, it, it upped my level of um, compassion and, and understanding of what restaurateurs need to go through to run their business. I had one, one friend client I've done work with over the years, uh, Barbara Sibley of La Palapa, which is down in the East Village. She stayed open throughout the entire pandemic. She was feeding hospital workers. She just, she's a dynamo. And she would say, she was quoted in an article once saying that it was like opening a new restaurant every single day. I mean, it, like, and I mean, probably for the first like couple months or something, or maybe the whole year of 2020, but um, like, wow, I mean, and I, as someone working, you know, I got into this industry because I am passionate about restaurants and hospitality myself. And there's just, a, I have a love for restaurants in particular, but like it just, as someone on the outside, I just want to help and do what I could to, to spread the word. I mean, I was grateful to have my podcast as a, as a way, additional way to help spread the word of what was happening in the industry. 
But I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I feel <laughs> it's just an overall, just an overall appreciation for restaurateurs and and why they do what they do. They do it because they love it, mm-hmm. and and they'll make it, they 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 made it. You know, the it was it's still it's. I mean, I hate to say it's not completely over yet, but. We're, we're starting to see the light at the end, end of the tunnel. And I just I just have a lot of, I guess, empathy and passion, uh, compassion for what they do. And I'm grateful to know chefs and restaurateurs because they're they're really good giving people. So as you were saying, what I heard you say is just resilience, right? Mm-hmm. And and I love that idea of as as the world's changing on a minute by minute, hour by hour basis, I love how she said, it's like, we're starting a new restaurant every single day. And that really goes to resilience because you could just pack it up and shut it all down. But no, we keep going. We keep going. I mean, I've had some pretty gnarly business experiences where I've had a coach just say, look, Dan, I know it's really hard, but it's all about resilience right now, right? You got to just breathe that word in and breathe that word out and just be resilient. And I think from a lot of your clients and even just all restaurants everywhere, but especially in New York city. Um, I mean, I've seen it, I've heard it and I think we can all learn from it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a tough industry without a pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard. It's a hard business. The margins are tight. You're working, you know, 24 seven, you're working when everyone has holiday breaks, you're, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard industry. And that was, um, the, the pandemic was certainly, certainly extremely challenging for the hospitality industry. And um, I just, yeah, give them, give restaurateurs a lot of credit for also you, a lot of, you know, the independent restaurant coalition was formed and war this organization in New York where restaurateurs came together to help each other and to talk and to, and to, uh, be a community, which that was something that was actually great that was born out of the pandemic, where it was versus previously more having independent restaurants just making their own decisions and not communicating with it with each other about what they were doing um, to to survive or thrive. They came together, and I feel that um, uh, was a really nice thing. I guess if I if I could say a silver lining of it. Totally. And as you were saying, I had, I had to look it up, but I used to live right around the corner from Prune and Gabrielle. Um, I forget her last name. Uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. At the beginning of the pandemic, she wrote this incredibly moving uh, article in the New York Times yeah. just about like how New York has changed and this and that. And I guess how she's just like, I need to just move on and do something different. But I, I lived like right around the corner. They had the best food and everything there. But when you read that article, um, because I think that that thing went viral. Yeah, I read there. it. Like how did that- how <laughs> Probably did that read make, it twice. <laughs> yeah, I think I read it three times. And I just, I totally forgot about it until you were speaking because something just brought me right back there because it was so moving. Like, what were your feelings as you read that? I mean, I wish I could go back right now and read it, but I, I, it, a bit heartbreaking, I think, um, 
if I that piece because it was so honest. I mean, she's this she's truly honest, raw writer. She's excellent writer. Totally. People love her love. I mean, I've had great meals of prune. Prune's amazing. People like appreciate her food and her restaurant, but she's also become this voice in the industry where she's, I mean, this wasn't the first piece she's written. And um, yeah, it was a bit, it was so, it was so honest. It was a bit heartbreaking uh, in the sense of like how tough it was, but you kind of were, I guess, as an optimist, like thinking, we're going to get through this and this is just the reality now, but this is like, I mean, she laid it out and I think so many people resonated with what she said because it was, it was the truth um, and appreciated it versus uh, maybe putting uh, what do you, you know, uh, bells and whistles on something that's really not, not so fabulous, but, yeah. um, but, but through all of it, you could, there was this, even though she was closing prune, there was this undying passion mm-hmm. through through the theme of the article as she was writing it. And then when you think about how hard it is to work and run in a New York City or any restaurant, but in New York City in particular, just like those kitchens are so small. And I had friends that when I first moved to New York City who were, they were chefs and they were up and coming and they're like, they're in it. I mean, it is not just... Um, all the passion and just the skill you need to actually make it, but it's also a feat of endurance. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've dined there a few times. It's a tight restaurant. It's intimate. Um, and I think I've maybe seen a picture of the kitchen, the kitchen. I know it's small. I've worked with a lot of restaurants that are, are tiny kitchens and, uh, one, you know, they make, I don't know. Sometimes when you sometimes go to these, and, and they're amazing restaurants for, let's say, Danielle Balloud or something. And they have these gorgeous kitchens. And it's like, I'm, oh, this is so fantastic. That is not a reality for everyone. And so a lot of times they're, they're working in such hard conditions between space, between the heat of the kitchen, between the urgency of things, between, you know, it's something. When I worked in restaurants back in the day, I used to think, um, and I was a manager at one point, I used to think I was like being, I was a firefighter. It was my analogy of like going into work and not knowing there would be a problem. Something would come up. You didn't know what it was and your job was to put it, to figure it out. But that's like the daily life of a restaurant. You know, it's like, you don't, something's going to happen and you don't know exactly what it is, but you got to be on your toes and ready to, to figure it out. And the people who are really good at it make it look so easy that customers don't even notice any of this is happening. A hundred percent. And then, you know, as you're talking about Palapa and then Prune, and then I just remember I living in the East Village in Alphabet City, um, there were so many great restaurants because I found the East Village in particular, it's kind of like this bump out, right? It's not really a thoroughfare. It's this place where you want to be right you're there for a reason you're not passing through then we moved to chelsea and i found that all the restaurants or not all but most of the restaurants are these bigger like they've kind of up and came and they're there they're these more institutions right um which means higher rent um just more difficult leases. Um, whereas in the East Village, and again, I'm not an expert at all. I just found like the, the smaller footprint, those tighter kitchens. 
allowed for um, more experimentation and more um, literal collisions. And so many restaurants came and went there. But by the time you would go to Chelsea or another higher rent part of town, you know, you've, you've already made it and you're there. But I loved the excitement and the passion of the, and the turnover of all the cool cuisines from the East Village. Do you have an experience or, feel, or, or thought on that? I agree 100% because I I live over by Columbus Circle on the on the Upper West Side or Lower Upper West Side where it's um it's it, it's it was a lot of pricier restaurants in my neighborhood but it's more um when I go down to the the East Village it's all these like little local probably you know family run mostly gems in a sense like you can walk down a couple blocks in the east village and just it's they're packed in like one block you might have like 10 restaurants where you're like oh that looks i want to go there i want to go there like they're just they're small they're intimate and they're doing something very maybe maybe it's just a one concept of something maybe they're only doing mac and cheese or they're only doing ramen or they're only i don't know they're very specific into mm-hmm. what they're doing um and but i definitely get that feeling and i mean both these restaurants we're talking about la palapa and prune were were well prune isn't real well it is east village it is it's it was uh, a yeah. second or third between a and b or b yeah. and C somewhere over there yeah yeah it is and so i think that i agree with you that neighborhood just there's so many gems i think and um i mean like i mean restaurants come and go and uh, turnover is, it happens, but I feel there's a lot of places that have maintained or been around for a while down there um, for, well, for whatever reason, maybe the rent is also a little easier. That's a lot of what it is. Um, I have a question as, as a restaurant expert, right? I'm more of a restaurant fan. You're an expert, but you're probably an expert and a, and a super fan as well. Um, have you ever dined somewhere for the first time, had such an incredible experience that you had a fear to go back because it would ruin the initial experience? Um, I have, well, I dine out a lot and I also dine out a lot solo, like solo dining is kind of my thing. And I just like, like checking out restaurants. I am a super fan. In fact, you're calling me an expert. I'm grateful. It's very nice. Um, trying to think. I mean, the one place I, I do think of, uh, I was fortunate to go to Brooklyn Fair in when it was in, only in Brooklyn in the early stages of the restaurant, because I remember they did not have a, a beer, wine or liquor license. It was a BYOB at the time. And so that was very early on and they didn't take reservations for one. I went with a friend, but I was blown away by the food. I remember it was like all these tiny, like, I mean, like 25, maybe little bites. I mean, they were small bites, but that was the tasting menu. And it was like 24 out of 25, I thought were absolutely incredible. And the other one was amazing, you know, great too. So that's one place they've since opened in Manhattan and they have a new location. And I'm a little like my experience of that restaurant was so amazing. I'm a little afraid to go back and like 
try it again, even though a part of me is like this, I should, I should, you know, it's all, it, it's even a new location. But yeah, that that stands out as or the only one I can think of right off the top of my head. <laughs> no, the reason why I'm asking, I, I started thinking about this. Um, I when, before I lived in New York City, um, I came here on a business trip and um, I went to Gramercy Tavern and I did the whole tasting menu with um, there were probably about eight of us. And I don't know if it was the food was great. It's always salt. Well, this was. 18 years ago. The food was really good. The wine, we did the pairing. It was amazing. Um, but somehow the sommelier and the waiter, they made it into such a journey. And it was like one of the best dining experiences that I ever had that I never, ever, ever wanted to go back. And then in 2019, I went back again, another situation where just went with some friends, but I, I was fearful of going back. And then, um, it just wasn't the same. I don't know if like someone wasn't there. It just, it really fell flat and it, it almost ruined that first experience that I had. So whereas I also went to this other place, uh, Laberna Dan, many, many years ago, and I, I'm scared to go back because again, I think it was the sommelier. I think the sommelier at both of these places um, made it just this incredible journey where I could suspend all disbelief. They could tell me it's paired and you can taste hints of chocolate and nutmeg and I just believe it. And I'm just, they take me on this journey, but I'm just, I have this fear of going back. Cause I just, in one case, the experience was not the same. And in the, this last one, I just don't want to mess with it. You've never had that. Well, well, I think my, my Brooklyn fair isn't like that. Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> Cause I it was so, I mean, the whole experience, it was so amazing. And mm. I'm afraid if I go, maybe the food won't be as amazing or, or as like, to me, that was what, one of the top meals I've ever had. And I've dined out a lot. I mean, around the world, tasting menus. I mean, I travel a lot. I go to lots of restaurants. In my mind though, it's still like one of the best meals I've ever had. And I kind of don't want to ruin that. Mm. So. Um, if you think about, I don't know, like if there. I'm trying to think of like, okay, so you have such an extensive list of clients. If, if you were to, is there a dream client that you've always wanted to have, but either have just never met the opportunity never came around, but like, who would your ultimate dream client be from a restaurant perspective? Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, or is it I, like, you know, we love all of our children equally. I've been fortunate to work with so many, so many wonderful people. And I know through, I mean, I started doing my podcasts because I just know a lot of people in the industry and I feel I've, you know, I'm fortunate that I, I know people, let's say like, like Danny Meyer was my guest. I mean, you know, will always be so special. And the fact that I know Danny and I have a relationship with him and it's, um, to me, that that makes me feel great. Would I then say, oh, well, well, it would be amazing to work on one of Danny's restaurants. Sure, I would think, yeah, I could say that. But then also this kind of ties into like not to ruin a, you know, a special experience or a restaurant. Like, 
well, maybe that would change if I worked with Danny. And what if, what if it wasn't as great doing his PR or it didn't go as well or whatever, you know, I mean, so I don't know. I don't know if I have an exact dream client. I just feel, I feel lucky that I, 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 I'm at the point with my business where most of my client comes from clients come from referrals and that people know I've been doing this for a long time and that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm still like a one woman show basically with my company where I do the work and I have the relationship with the clients and, and the media. And, um, so I'm not really answering your question, but I guess, I guess maybe I'm saying Danny Meyer, but no, actually you of it. You, you answered it. You actually answered it perfectly because actually, if I think of like the ultimate guest, um, if I think of the ultimate guest that I would want on this show, it would be Danny Meyer because I have read his books. He was actually, and despite the Gramercy Tavern story, I think it was just a, an off night, but there was also that first experience was just the, the greatest experience. And then I like listening to setting the table um, with my kids on a road trip to, I, I don't know, we were going up to Lake Placid. We listened to his whole book there and back and they were like, wow, that's really awesome. I want to have a restaurant. And um, he was actually the last person I saw from the industry before everything shut down. I guess it was March, 2020, March or late February or early March, 2020. I was at this hospitality design summit in, um, where was that? Cancun, I think. And he was like the keynote nice. speaker. And then I went up after with a book. Uh, I guess I asked a question. I got handed a book. And then I went up. I said, oh, my God, you're my hero. I've, um, I've eaten next to you at your restaurants for breakfast. And, you know, you're always there having a great. He's like, oh, why didn't you come say hello? I was like, you look like you were in a heat, uh, important conversation. He's like, no, like anytime you see me in a restaurant, come up and say hello. Um, I was like, OK, so I haven't seen him because the world shut down. But he signed the book and he was just awesome. And I love how he recruits and hires people with his idea of this hospitality quotient, right? And that measurable, and it's really the filter and value by which he looks at everything. And I get it that you're friends with him. And I think that I totally understand why you wouldn't want to work with him because that might change the dynamic of your friendship. Yes. And I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like, I mean, we're, 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 we're friendly. We're, we're yeah, he's an industry friend, but I'm yeah. not like, but I'm not like best buddies with Danny, but um, I have gotten to know him over the years a little bit. And I've always had an appreciation for him and his restaurants and, and as what he stands for. And I think one, I mean, one thing he's, he's, he's known for saying, and uh, I'm kind of improvising, but that like, you can't, you can't teach someone to be like a nice person, but you can teach them skills. You can teach them, you know, how to, how to fold a napkin or something, you know? So when he's hiring, it's more like looking at personality um, for, for his team. And that, that has always resonated with me because you can't, yeah, you can't teach someone to be hospitable or maybe, but you know, to be nice. Yeah. It's I don't know. More if like you, I, within. To me, it's almost like if you're hiring for culture, rather than skills, right? Because you, 
a person, people are wired certain ways, right? And you can't you can try as you may to change people. You can't, you can teach them skills, but if you're hiring for culture and if hospitality is like number one, you hire for that, for the interpersonal skills. If you're, if you're hiring a nuclear physicist, you're going to be hiring them for other reasons, right? Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And, hmm. and if Danny called me up this afternoon and said, I have a new project, I'd like, I'd like, to interview you, talk about it. Would you, are you interested? I mean, that's like a no brainer. Of course, I'm like, yes, yes, oh, good. you know, let's go. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, fair it's, enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so as you think about like where you are, where the industry is, where it's going, what's exciting you most about the future? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I love restaurants and I feel that for what, what everyone has been through in the past couple of years, that we are like very optimistic for the future and just getting back to, I mean, what people are saying normal or the new normal or just, just bringing people together and, and just, I feel we've been through so much that the, that it's, it should be, I guess, in a sense, easier. I don't, to, but hardship kind of, you know, it brings out your, as you said, your resilience. And I think also your creativity. I mean, a lot of creativity was born through the pandemic um, or, or people really got figured things out in or thought of things out of the box differently. I think what I'm most excited about in the future is people to, be more willing to take risks in a sense that maybe they weren't as comfortable with before that maybe the pandemic kind of helped them get over a fear of like, let's just go for this and be creative. Um, I wor was working with a chef, Eric Bruner Yang in Washington DC before the pandemic. He had a couple of restaurants at the Line Hotel um, and one of them was spoken English and it was a, a standing only restaurant, which when he opened, it got some, you know, critique. And even while it was open, people were a little skeptical of it. Once they went and experienced it, they thought it was amazing. And you kind of didn't even notice you were standing, but that was, you know, that was a risk for him to take, like, you know, a standing only restaurant. It was very intimate. So I think we might see more of that in the in the future of, of people just thinking out of the box and, and going for it. And and that excites me. Yeah. So I love how you were saying this idea of being creative and taking risks and risks and creativity. And a standing only restaurant is a great example of that. Um, I was as I look at Manhattan or New York City over the past 10 years, I think one of the riskiest things that I've seen was just the addition of all the bike lanes and city bikes, right? Mm -hmm. It changed the city overnight. It was a surprise. No one saw it coming. Um, and then also, and I think this was a risk, but a risk to try and help restaurateurs was out, the push to outdoor dining. Yes. And if I think about bike lanes and city bikes and then outdoor dining, it's changed the look and feel of Manhattan and Brooklyn in particular. Um, do you see outdoor dining staying? Like, what are your feelings on that? Like, what are you hearing? I hope it stays. Well, 
I'm hearing there, I think the city is trying to figure it out. I mean, there's people, I think on both sides of the fence, some people who love the outdoor dining and all the setups, and then some people, neighborhoods or people that it's maybe disrupted their neighborhood to them a bit, and they're not as happy about it. And um, as someone who was here during the pandemic, I took to city biking a lot. It's now become, well, if the weather's warm enough, it's now my favorite way to get around the city. And it was great, in, especially in 2020, when I wasn't getting on the subway, to get on a city bike and to, to, to see Manhattan and to bike around and get a, see what was happening with restaurants and who was open, who wasn't open, who built an outdoor patio, who didn't, and the changes. So I'm a big fan myself of city bikes and, actually, and the bike lanes keep getting better, <laughs> keep getting better, which I like too. Um, I think it's a little, I mean, but on the flip side, it is a bit dangerous because some of some of the restaurants that have outdoor uh, kiosks built, there's literally a bike lane going between the sidewalk and their outdoor structure. And they have like slow down signs, but literally bicycles are going, I guess you'd say in, through the middle of the restaurant, you could say. So I think that's dangerous. Um, so far it's worked. Um, I'm hoping, or I think there will be, I don't think the outdoor structures and is gonna go away. I think there might be some, some rules about it or some permits or what, you know, that people need to get. But um, I, I mean, I, I think it's been extremely helpful for restaurants and surviving and thriving in it, some of them even when they were able to build large outdoor decks and like double their capacity. So I think it's a I think it's a good thing. I'm always I'm pro restaurants. I want them to succeed. But um yeah, it's a little bit dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was also amazed at how, you know, Byzantine New York City's building code is and really like overnight with very little code, just all these structures started popping up. And it really was about, a, it was a lifeline to restaurants. I mean, it was, it was amazing that it actually happened and it was, and it was exciting. I think we can just learn a lot from that as well. Yes. And then, and then between 2020 summer and 2021, I would bike around and see the improvements and the more investments in these structures. They, they got, some of them got very fancy. Um, but you're right, like just that the, they were able to put these things together very fast. Totally. Um, so staying with the risk and creativity theme here, because I really, I, I really like where this is going. Um, a lot of people started pushing me to do this podcast. I was like, I don't want to do a podcast. People are, who wants to listen to me or my guests? But I realized no one wants to listen to me. Everyone wants to listen to my amazing guests like you. So when you were deciding to do to do your podcast, all in the industry, like how big of a risk was that for you? How do you feel creatively fulfilled doing, doing it now? Once again, thank you. Um, I feel probably, we're probably similar in a sense of, you know, the reasons we started doing a podcast, just something to be passionate, I was passionate about it. Um, I hit the 10 year mark with my having my PR business. And I was sort of thinking 
Like now what? <laughs> and that was kind of where I knew a couple people of podcasts. I mean, I started in 2014, so it wasn't as fill a filled market, I guess you'd say. A lot of people have podcasts now. Um, but I just came up with an idea. I had zero experience. I'd never even been on a podcast. I'd never been on a show. Um, but it was an idea behind the scenes to cover behind the scenes and hospitality people I knew in the industry that did something with restaurants in the hospitality space that was uh, different than what I did. Um, but I, they weren't necessarily clients of mine. Uh, they weren't necessarily media, which I know a lot of as a PR person. They were just people I knew. They, they did the cocktail programs. They did design the restaurants. They, you know, they were chefs themselves. So, so I, it was the idea I came up uh, with and I guess I'm a, well, I guess I'm a risk taker. <laughs> I certainly am. I, I like to challenge myself. I like to try new things. Um, I like to go for it. And I did. And it's also my show with the pandemic. It's now, it's not live, but for the first before it was, it was Wednesdays, four o'clock live from Heritage Radio Network in the backyard of Roberta's restaurant, which, uh, you know, outside, we're in a shipping container with a, a, a restaurant happening on the other side of the window that could see us and we could see them. And so there was something that was nerve wracking, especially being on a live show. Um, now I still do my show like it's live. We really don't edit much at all. I mean, barely, barely over all these years I've edited, but um I guess it's 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 exciting for me. I I like, as you said, with I mean, talking to guests. Like, I like hearing people's story and having a platform that I can share that with other people. And I like, I mean, my guests are coming on the show and talking about what they know best themselves and their careers. So usually, my guests are amazing. They're so articulate. They're so you know they that I just am kind of like leading the ship and. And it's, um, and I like, uh, I'm not a huge talker on my show. I like the guests to talk way more than me. So, yeah. um, but it's still, I think it's still a risk in a sense that I'm doing it, that I'm still putting myself out there and, and talking to people and you don't know what, you know, it's, as I said, we do it like it's live. So you don't know, I can prep for the show, but I still don't know what someone's going to say how the conversation is going to go exactly. So it's, um, it's a bit risky, but I guess I, I, I like that. I guess I find it exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, if so thinking, uh, going on a risk, risk taking, and if you look at um, your 25 years plus plus career, as you said, um, if you were to go back and look at the mentors that you had, because I believe we all stand on the shoulders of those before us. Which one of your mentors really helped you learn to take risks and be okay with taking risks? It's interesting because I don't I don't know if I'm one of those people that has like exact people I think of my specific mentors, but for some reason his name is he's just popping into my head now. Um I was a server at Charlie Trotter's back in 1997 
And actually before that, I got that job. I went to cooking school in Chicago. I thought I wanted to be a chef. And then I saw Charlie Charter was hiring front of house staff and more front of house experience than back. And I went in, I got hired and I was there about a year working um, for him. And he was so ahead of his time and he was such a risk taker. And I mean, he's, he was intent. It was an intense job. It was a very hard job because talk about, I mean, hospitality, people are going into this restaurant on the all, mostly special occasions looking for this extraordinary experience. And as someone who's the server there, there's a lot of pressure on you, but um, I'm very grateful to have that, had that experience and to have gotten to know him and work with him. And um, I feel there's something about he, I mean, yeah, he, he definitely was a, ahead of his time and, taking risks. And so maybe, maybe that has inspired me a bit. Okay. So that's super interesting because, okay, he's amazing. He's a legend, right? You're working there in 1997. As you said, it's intense, right? Everything is intense. Just getting as a server, it's so hard. And then if you go back to how you defined hospitality, it was like about that feeling. So in that intensity and stress stressful environment how did he make you feel at ease <laughs> i don't know if he did <laughs> <laughs> um no he was nice he never i'm not i i i like charlie i think he was intense he was a perfectionist and i think as someone i mean i think i'm I don't like the word perfectionist at all, but I am definitely someone who aims for perfection. And I think that type of person that worked there and I feel um, it, you know, I was, I was, it fit me or I was, I was, I was, I was good at it, but I felt, um, I mean, I think there's just you making sure your staff and I felt taken care of or a part of the team just the little extra, you know, feedback or compliments on something you did um, at the end of service. But I don't think it was, it wasn't like the most like warm and fuzzy, I'd say, (laughs) place. It was serious. It was a serious dining experience. So that's amazing because if you think about, okay, this warm and fuzzy feeling and idea of hospitality, right? And making others feel at ease and welcome. And maybe it's the guests, right? Because mm-hmm. he, you're serving them. But then I've talked to other people in this podcast and throughout my career that just are the types with this uncompromising vision, right? And they can be almost tyrannical about it, but you, they are painting such a precise picture of that experience that it's like, whenever I'm around people like that, I also feel challenged to like, get over the bar and like to, to please. Right. Yeah. So is it more like that type of an experience? Yeah. I think that resonates with me for sure. Like, yeah, it was, it was challenging. It was, it was, there was a lot of pressure, but it was also exciting. There was a, he had a table in the, in his kitchen, the chef's table that was literally in like right at the pass. And sometimes I would be assigned to be the server at that table and they got their own special menu with all these amuse at the beginning. And it was like, it was very special. Um, But it was, it was, it was hard. Like you're in, then you're in the kitchen 
and Charlie or the chefs, they can hear, you know, your dialogue with the table. And, um, but I think just wanting to, for myself, uh, bring and, and have the guests have that extraordinary experience. And I was a part of it. Something about being a part of it, this like, you know, that he was, what he was doing and that being, being on the team, being, being the person responsible for that kitchen table. I mean, it made me feel special or it made me feel like, okay, he trusts me to do this. And, um, and that there was something in that for sure that, that motivated me. Thank you for sharing. And then, okay. So again, going back to you, the storyteller, right? You, the storyteller, um, what story do you want to write for yourself over the next year? See this, this one, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a planner. (laughs) I have no idea what I'm going to be doing a week from now, a year from now. I am a doer though. So I'll definitely be doing something and probably something new and challenging. I mean, I didn't, we just touching it briefly. Like I, I did a conference (laughs) in January, 2020 that was again an idea that I came up with. And I, I literally did a conference called HOST, which stands for Hospitality Operations Services and Technology. And it was based on my podcast, but it, like being behind the scenes in hospitality, but bringing everyone together in a live format with panel discussions. And I've always been someone who's a networker and likes bringing people together. So, I, I'm glad I have photos and videos of this because it was a full day event and it was very successful and people ask me when I'm bringing it back and I haven't decided yet because if you're plan if you're thinking of making this show into a pod, uh, this podcast into a conference, let me just tell you right now, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it was, it was so well received that I probably will bring it back on some level. Where was it? It was at the William Vale in Brooklyn in Williamsburg and it was in their conference room downstairs but it started with we had a breakfast with lunch we had a a curated lunch session we had cocktail hour I mean it was a full-blown blown thing um and it was it, it was I mean the the feedback was really great made me made me feel good um so I don't know, maybe I bring that back. I mean, I started, I created all in the industry as a company separate from Bayer Public Relations. Um, I don't know, I mean, to answer your question, it's like, we'll see. I, I'm definitely someone who who likes challenging myself and I'm a worker. I like work, I've always liked work. So um, I, you're gonna have to stay tuned. Well, as you shared that idea of building community, um, doing these conversations is pretty, it's a very different way of communicating, right? You're doing this long format communication. If you have dinner with someone or lunch, you're getting interrupted. Would you like sparkling or still? Would you like a bottle of wine? What what are you going to order? This is like a very different and very open way of communicating that just goes on, right? And I think about all the guests that I've had, and I'm sure it's similar with you. It's like, you guys all have these, or we, you and and I have these shared passions with the people that we're talking to, right? And as you were saying that conferencing, I wasn't thinking of doing a conference, 
but I am, there's this thing that's scratching at me like, Hey, how do I build a community out of this? Maybe a conference is one option. I don't know. Um, maybe just other shared interpersonal experiences, something experiential. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk to you more about that offline because I, I just feel like there is so much more. And I think so much is missed and we're all craving this, these collisions with each other. And um, that sounds awesome. I didn't know that you did that. And that's bad on me. Oh, no, it's all good. But I mean, that's I inspiring. Do, I wear a lot of hats. I also, I mean, I mean, I write a little bit on the side too about solo dining and travel just because it's something I do a lot. But um, yeah, I've always been all, I mean, I'm all in the industry, literally. I'm, and the conference was, I mean, it, it ex- you could look it up online. Now. Oh, I'm going to. Glenn, Glenn was, I had a, there one of, I curated the program and one of the sessions was, was Glenn Coben and Jimmy Yui. Do you know Jimmy? No. Jimmy designs kitchens and the two of them have worked together on projects. And so their panel was just the two of them in a one-on-one conversation, talking to each other about design with restaurants. So, um, that was, yeah, it was, it was a very, it was very special. I mean, it was, I got lucky that it was the end of January, 2020. And then it was literally, you know, the world shut down like six weeks later. Mm. So it would be interesting also to do, do another conference and the conversations will be different now. You know, I think back, like just we didn't know what was coming when we were having those conversations. And then if let's just pretend you were going to do the conference again tomorrow, mm-hmm. everything was set up and you're going, what would you do differently tomorrow than you did in January, 2020? Um, I don't know. I think I, I liked, I mean, it was, it was the only thing I'm thinking is maybe it doesn't have to be as elaborate. I mean, it, we had a lot of components from breakfast to cocktail hour Um it could be the same, but I don't, I think, as you said, like, it's about, I mean, something about bringing people together. And that's really my, my, my motivation for it is like connecting people and bringing us together. And I don't think you need all the hoopla in a sense, not like it was like, so hoopla-y, but, um, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you, I think it could be more, um, maybe not as complex or just like a, maybe a half day conference or um, it does or not as it doesn't have to be as fancy of a venue. I mean, it was lovely, but I don't know if, if I think right now, especially people just want to connect and people miss that in-person connection. Uh, so, I mean, with, with, with in the past two years, I didn't have the desire to make it into an online conference also, it wasn't my one business that I had to do that. So I just have like put it on hold. But I think if I brought it back, it would, it, it, it's just about bringing people together. I love it. And that's so inspirational. And I never even thought about that. So thank you for sharing. And we will what? talk about more about that okay. offline. <laughs> um, so if you go back to your server self working at Charlie Trotters in Charlie Trotters in what 1997 yeah good memory um what advice 
does the sherry of today give your former self? Um, I think, I think I've learned it's like, be kind to yourself. Like sometimes I'm so, I'm, I'm that more people pleasing type personality. And sometimes you, especially people in the hospitality industry, I think you're so giving that you're more concerned sometimes with other people than you are with yourself. And I think, uh, I mean, it's kind of, definitely not this is cliche i guess what people say like you got to take care of yourself before you could take care of anyone else i think it's very true i think sometimes you know restaurant life especially back then i mean the hours the i mean i didn't i don't during that period i don't think i didn't do anything besides go to work <laughs> i was like and sleep i mean it was like that was it so i think taking time for yourself figuring out some work life balance and making sure, you know, that, that you, you're in tune with what your own needs are. Um, I think that's really important. I think the industry's changed a bit that over the, you know, since then that people are thinking about that and, and, and kitchens and restaurants are run a bit differently. But um, I think, you know, I, I think just making sure you're taking care of yourself, you're providing hospitality for yourself. Think is important. It's really important. I, I think about like what I do and it's, I furnish hotels. And what I love about it the most is I get to make sure others are having the best possible journey towards opening their hotel. Like that's what lights me up. Um, but what lights me up even more than that is when I can shorten other people's journeys through introduction. Um, just, Hey, I, I have this idea or that someone wants to learn this and I can just kind of connect the dots a little bit faster. Um, and it's interesting you say that because I just think about Hey, how do I shorten my own journey? You know, I'm always so concerned with others that sometimes it is good to take a look at ourselves. And maybe for those of us in this industry, it's hard for us to think about ourselves in that way. Well, I think I think people who get into this and do what we do, there's something about our careers and uh, our personality is why 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 I do PR. Uh, you know. Uh, you want to help other people. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think it is important for all of us to, to reflect on that and sort of make sure that we're taking care of our own needs. And um, yeah, I also, I just wanted to mention there was another job I had in Chicago before Trotters where I was an office manager at a microbrewery called Rock Bottom. And that job, that was when I, I really, they had, they had a, a saying that I don't hear much, but it was called lanyap. And it basically meant like going that extra mile for someone like, like as a, I mean, I wasn't a server there, but that was their whole philosophy. And I always think about that when I was thinking about this show and hospitality, um, it's like going beyond someone's expectations. And I learned that from this microbrewery. <laughs> well, I, I've learned a lot in microbreweries. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Appreciate the good, good beer. <laughs> yeah. Mostly how I don't like wheat beers, but I prefer an IPA or a Pilsner. Um, um, but that, yeah, I don't know. My restaurant experience, I think it definitely 
plays into my what I do today. I I I, I mean that's a, knowing what it's like to wait tables or be a manager or a server and even cook in a kitchen. I think that helps me today to understand what it takes to run a restaurant and also the 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 empathy sort of notion that that it's it's hard it's a very hard industry well it is a hard industry but sherry i will i will say it again it's inspiring to to see the community that you've built and the followers that you have and i think we all have so much to teach each other if going back to how you first started talking it's but we all just got to listen so i just want to say thank you for sharing your insights on hospitality and just your, your life experience as well. And I can't wait to learn more about community building from you. Um, how can people connect with you? Well, they can find me on social media. I'm, I have a bunch of accounts. I've got at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at all industry. I also have the same websites, uh, sherrybear.com, bearpublicrelations.com, and allintheindustry.com. And probably the best email for me is sherry at bearpublicrelations.com. Wonderful. That's the OG. Good, the OG, <laughs> we love it. So we'll put all that in the liner notes as well if you're driving and listening. Um, but Sherry, I just wanna say thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thank you. I, I greatly appreciate you having me on your show. It's fantastic. I've listened to a bunch of them and I'm going to listen to some more and I say, keep doing what you're doing. And I hope to meet you in person. One of these Yes, days. we will meet in person soon. I promise. And also I just want to thank our listeners. Um, I'm hoping that this has evolved your thinking on hospitality, both giving and receiving and really just listening and hearing others and making others feel at ease. Um, and if it did, please share it. Um, share this podcast with a friend and everyone. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you.